Hey homies, it's Michelle Bennett, graphic designer, turn marketer, turn interior decorator, and apparently now podcast host. That's right, peeps. I selfishly started a podcast so that I would have an excuse to pick the brains of designers, decorators, and industry experts so that I can get to the next level. And the best part is you guys are coming with me. All right, guys, I'm here today I, after a very long break, and I'm here with Karen Spencer. So Karen, hello, Karen. Hello. Thank you for being here. Um, so, okay, Karen Spencer is a neurolinguistic practitioner. And so Karen um, is kind of flying a little blind on this podcast right now, doesn't know a whole lot about my background uh, as far as the fact I run a Facebook group to Karen and I actually talked about you before already in my Facebook group. So there you go. And All I told right. them I had met you and that you, what you kind of did. Um, but that's making a lot of assumptions that anybody who's listening to this will have ever saw the video I did where I talked about it. So I think a lot of people, and maybe would you say that not a lot of people really understand what, what a neurolinguistic practitioner is? Absolutely. Okay. Well, Absolutely. this is where you're going to tell us all about it. And people are going to be so happy that they heard this podcast. So first of all, why don't you just introduce everybody, tell them a little bit about your backstory and, and then maybe share with everybody in super layman's terms, what neurolinguistics is. Awesome. <laughs> I will take the ball from there. So thank you. First of all, Michelle, thank you very much. for this great opportunity to join your community and to have this chance to chat with you and everyone that's listening in. Uh, so I will start with my backstory, first of all, and what my passion is. Let's just start there. So my passion, my goal in life is to kill anxiety. Amen. Amen. That's it. That's it. In, in two words, I want to kill anxiety. Because anxiety kills families, friends, relationships, careers, health. I've seen it all and it damn near killed me. Mm -hmm. So my story is that I look now and I'm just turned the big number 57. Oh, wow. Uh, okay. She doesn't yes. look at guys. She doesn't look at she's a <laughs> grandma and none of it makes any sense. Anyway. So I look back and I know that even in my twenties, I was experiencing anxiety. Didn't know it. You know, it felt like worry. It felt like nervousness. It felt like crazy behavior. I look now, and yes, it was anxiety growing in me. And as I went through my decades and motherhood and career advancements and all the pressures of life, the anxiety just began to build. And the behavior became, began to become more erratic, more crazy. Um, what do you mean by that? Well, just a lot of worry, a lot of sleeplessness, a lot of nervousness. My thing, my physical behavior, um, and everybody's different, was pacing. When I got to, you know, peak anxiety, I would pace for hours uh, back and forth, up and down the hallway, hand wringing. You know what I mean by wringing yeah. hands? Like you just wring in your hands. Oh, my God. And it was this um, uncontrollable thinking, the, you know, the what if, what if this, what if that? Oh, my gosh. And really making up story of disaster that you cannot stop, you cannot control. But when you're in it, you don't realize that you're doing it. That's, that's kind of the hindsight talking, right? Mm -hmm. When you're in it, you're just in it. So years and years of this, and I decided back when I think when I'm in my late 40s, um, based on some things that were happening in my personal life and how, how stressful it all was, that I would go on medication for anxiety. And I, uh, the meds helped, you know, some people's stories are that meds didn't help. My meds helped. And I thought I had the answer, Michelle. I thought, oh, this is it. I just take a pill a day and away I go. And eight years of taking the pill took a toll on my body that um, I had to wake up and say, I cannot continue taking this, this poison mm -hmm. and I need to come off. And I thought at that point, hey, you know, my life is at a pretty normal pace. Things have kind of slowed down cool, I'll come off and that'll be just the end of that chapter. And what happened is, as life does, another crisis shows up because that's just the way life is, right? Mm -hmm. And this time it was the ailing um, health of my father and the impending passing away of him. And so now I'm off my meds and I'm having to deal with this issue and this crisis and boom, my anxiety is back. Now I would, all, I would say at the worst ever, 
Mm-hmm. And um, so the pills were to cure, much to my surprise. <laughs> they were just a band-aid, as we know. Yeah. <clears throat> and now I'm back you know, with worse anxiety than ever. And I find myself going many times to the hospital and eventually being in Sunnybrook in the psych ward, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, really demanding to be seen by psych, you know, Mm -hmm. psychologists, because at this point I'd only been treated by family physician and, you know, a a counselor Mm -hmm. and, you know, being diagnosed with, yes, you know, lots of terrible things that you don't want to think that you have. And now for medications that I need to take for Mm -hmm. various management of various situations, one being sleep, the other being in the moment anxiety, one being just general anxiety. So this is no way to live. (laughs) And, um, you know, the way the universe works is that it does throw you a bone every once in a while, especially if you're open. And my saving grace was that I ran into a friend of mine that I had not seen in a very long time. Mm -hmm. And she saw me and she asked me, like, what is going on? Because, A, you look horrible. I'd lost a lot of weight. You're very, your behavior is very kind of strange. And I told her and she said, you must see a friend of mine who does um, a therapy. She, my, she said, I don't really understand it, but I know it helps because it helped her through multiple eating disorders mm-hmm. and it pulled her out of that well of despair. So I went to her and I saw her and she was and is a neurolinguistic practitioner, which is what I am today. Mm-hmm. And she said to me, uh, your anxiety will be managed and gone in a very short period of time. As a matter of fact, in probably about three months. So you and can imagine. Like, yeah, what did you think when she said that? I, you know, honestly, A, I was at that point trying everything. I was seeing um, acupuncturist. I was seeing a naturopathic doctor. I was throwing everything at everything because I had to find an answer. So A, I was willing. Mm-hmm. But B, I thought she was crazy. And I thought, there is no way. Like, I'm on four meds, lady. I've had this for decades. I've been diagnosed. You know, it's not a great word. Diagnosed. Now you've got a label. Yeah. um, Which you carry around as your big flag, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I'm thinking, no. But uh, however, I will try. Yeah. And so I go in and with everything, um, you got to go in with open mind and and a full heart. And I went in and she started to um, do the practice and the magic of neurolinguistics, which deals with the relationship between the mind and language. So everything that we do really forms a thought or an emotion in our body. And that is the neurology that's going on in our mind, in our unconscious mind, mostly, because our unconscious mind is 90% of our total mind. And in that unconscious mind... Sorry, did you say it's 90%? Yeah, that's scary. Only 10% of our total mind is, to, is, is conscious. And we think that that's the ruler of all, you know, our, our wonderful ability to consciously think. Well, our unconscious mind is 90% of our total mind. And in our unconscious mind sits our, all our behavior. That's where it comes from. All our memories sit there. And if we want long-lasting true change, real change, we have to deal with what's going on with us unconsciously. And what's going on with us unconsciously are somewhere in the neighborhood of 60 to 70,000 thoughts per day. Mm -hmm. So we're just rapid firing these thoughts, unaware of ourselves. And most of those thoughts that we're having are negative and they're about us. Mm -hmm. And so if we're unconsciously having thoughts about ourselves, typically things like, you know, we're unlovable, we're unworthy, we can't do it, we have lack, we're not good enough, it'll never work out, I'm a failure. And that is our conscious beliefs about ourselves. And we keep firing and wiring this, then what shows up in our life is exactly that which upon we are thinking. Because our thoughts create what shows up in our life. So I obviously had an unconscious belief about myself. And to this day, I don't know what it was and I don't need to know what it was. It, mm-hmm. it was something that I developed probably when I was very, well, it always is when you're very, very small. Yeah. You know, you, you just have an experience. Somebody said something to you. Um, you know, you saw something and you just made a decision. You know, I'm not it's safe. It's also like um, not always something someone says or, or whatever, but it's like something that you're missing. Yes. Yes. And you're just observing and yeah. you just feel like, 
that'll never show, I'll never have that, or I'll never, I'll never be fulfilled or, and it just becomes, it's a decision you've made, a belief that you've, you, you've decided upon. And now, because that's running unconsciously over and over and over again for you, that is what shows up in your life is those experiences that reinforce that fundamental belief. Yeah, I think they, I was listening to a podcast. Do they call that um, um, confirmation bias? Mm-hmm. Bit where it's like you're actively like finding things that uh, validate whatever that belief is. Like, oh, well, that person said that. Not like ignore like the 10 people that said you're amazing. Oh, well, well, that guy told me I was ugly. So, absolutely. And, and, and there you go. And that's, um, and, and we don't even have to consciously go seek out that, mm. you know, you can, uh, by having this, this unconscious, just reinforcement of this negativity that we are just not worthy, mm-hmm. that then we are in a relationship that proves that we're not worthy. We take a job that proves that we're not worthy. You know, we go, and then there it is. And what happens is then it just starts to manifest into our true life. And now it's just everything that you've ever feared, everything that you've ever been afraid of for your whole life is now in front of you. Mm -hmm. So the beauty of neurolinguistics is that it finds that root. It finds that root and it gets rid of it very simply. And when you get rid of the root belief and beliefs, there may be more than one, but typically there's one really big one. You are automatically changed because you cannot think that any longer. You cannot, if your, if your root belief is about something that you're not able, we just ask the unconscious mind to go back and find out when did you make that decision? It's a very simple technique. It's done very simply, very quickly. And ask the, and you instruct the unconscious mind to get rid of that belief and put in something that will will fundamentally support you going forward. So probably that I am able mm-hmm. is what we is 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 a very healthy ecologically good belief for you to take forward. So that now, when you go through life and you're struggling at work and you had a bad day and you think that oh God you know where before you'd be having anxiety, I'm not able to do my job, I'm going to lose my job, and then I won't have income, and then I'll lose my house, and you know how the whole story can go crazy. Are you in my brain right now? <laughs> well, this is how yeah, anxiety works. Brain. This is how yeah. anxiety works. Instead, yeah, you're going to have a bad day. You're going to be bad, nasty clients, bad days, but you will not go to I'm unable. Mm-hmm. You will not have those thoughts. You'll have different thoughts. Oh, that, yeah, that was a bad day. Boy, I did my best I could. I, you know, tomorrow will be better. But you won't go to, I'm unable and all this crazy, which breeds anxiety. Mm-hmm. So back to my story. So I went and saw this woman. She did what we call a breakthrough. So in neurolinguistics, there is a technique, uh, if you want to call it a, a, a series of, of, of counselings that you can go through that basically is a breakthrough. And a breakthrough means that you go from problem to no problem, from, from problem to solution. And you go and you say, I have anxiety about X, or even I just have general anxiety. And she walked me through it, uncovered what my root belief, negative belief was about myself, all the negative emotions that those created for me that were just so latent in my experience and what I was going through. Um, Did some other supporting things. We talked about um, ways to be different going in the future that I could practice and become now my new normal. Mm-hmm. And I walked out three months later with no more meds and I've never taken a med since. And it is, it's incredible. Now I, I'm not going to sit here and say that I don't have bad days or I don't have anxious thoughts. I do. Yeah. There's some days where, you know, you, you read something in the newspaper or whatever and you think, Oh, like there's some, you can kind of go crazy with that thought and you find yourself you know, thinking, thinking it to be a little, you know, anxious, making a bad story about it. But I recognize now what I'm doing. When yeah. I get the emotions, the feelings of what am I doing? Because I'm back. I can feel that. I can feel that familiar feeling again. Mm-hmm. I now a don't go to that deep hole again because that has been completely taken away from me. Mm-hmm. And I recognize what I'm doing, and I have the tools and the techniques upon which I can change it and realize I can, I'm I'm in control of my life, and more importantly, I'm in control of my thoughts. Yeah. And when you realize that, you can either look at the life happening to you, 
You can either look at things external to you that are just coming at you like bullets being fired at you and that you are a victim of that environment. That's a scary place to live. And that's where I lived for most of my life is that things are just happening to me and I either was a victim or I was blaming. Mm -hmm. Uh, When you realize that actually you're in control of your life because you can control your thoughts and everything that shows up in your life is generated from your internal your internal processing and your internal thoughts and that I've got, it's me who has the, my hands on the steering wheel, nobody else. It's me. Now I felt empowered. Yeah. However, you couldn't go there when you're in anxiety. That's the trick is that you, when you tell somebody who's in, in problem, it doesn't matter in overwhelm in depression in just struggling financially, whatever their story is. And you tell them just, you know, chin up and start thinking positive, it's, it's next to impossible. Yeah, we've totally all tried to do that. And we oh, yeah, you do affirmations and you can and those are great things, believe me, great things to do. However, when you're heavy in problem, you have to go back and clean up the negative past. And that's where my work and my blessing in this world comes that I can help people go back and clean up all that negative past that's sitting in their neurology that they can't control. That's their, it's unconscious mm-hmm. and they don't even know what they're thinking. And, and that's fine. That's my job is to go find that out, help them get rid of it by doing our work together. And then now they start to feel lighter and now they start to feel different because neuro- neurologically they are firing and wiring differently. Mm-hmm. They are actually truly different that, that the, the neurology has changed and now when you're out of that kind of problem and pit of hell, you come out and now you can start taking the tools and moving forward. Now, okay, now I can start thinking about affirmations. Now I can start thinking about gratitude journals. Now I can think about, you know, taking a walk every day and enjoying the environment around me. It's very hard when you're in problem to do that. Mm-hmm. So that is my story is I went from decades and decades of anxiety that just became worse and worse and worse and worse manifested in loss of career, Mm -hmm. loss of finances, loss of relationship, loss of some family, loss of damn near loss of health. Mm -hmm. Like everything had to crumble for me to wake up and go like rock bottom. I was, it, it truly, I was, um, yeah, I, I really did not know where to go. What's that, huh? What was your career before? And I know we've talked about it, but just to share it with the listeners. Yeah, I had dec- years and years in the telecom industry. So I started in, um, you know, uh, the telephone company out west. And then I moved to Ontario. And I had a progressive career through Bell Canada. And, you know, landed up with a very nice position looking after some TV uh, portfolios and I enjoyed it and I had a lot of responsibility and I had a lot of challenge and I had people that reported to me and it had it had everything um, you know that you wanted in in a career yeah um, so I came from that world and now I'm in the world of helping people um, really that are struggling and and there's so many of us that are struggling oh my god it's so funny because um, I don't even know when I ha- I think it might have been like I was on Facebook one day. I, I don't know. I just know that my whole life I have definitely dealt with anxiety, but I didn't know. I just like, I don't know if you felt that too early on. You just don't realize it's anxiety. You just think that this is how people live. Yeah. You know, it's terrible. And it's in a constant state of uh, my, my mother-in-law calls it fretting. She's like, she'll tell me, like, she's retired and she'll tell me things like, oh, I, you know, I woke up at three in the morning just fretting for nothing. I'm like, that's anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> like, you've yeah. got anxiety. <laughs> like, you know, it's not just, um, <clears throat> but I didn't know even just like, I think there was a post on Facebook that was something like, you know, this is what anxiety looks like. And it's like, you know, sending a text and then spiraling when you don't get a reply right away and thinking like, Oh my God, this person hates me and they're mad at me for some reason. And just like, re- like just silly little things like that in some cases. Um, 
that I didn't know, like, oh my God. Okay. Well, that really helps explain a lot. Um, what, how can, how can people know whether it like, what is, how do people know whether it's like a health, you know, you come home, I just had a bad day. Of course, like it's not Mm -hmm. all sunshines and rainbows when you don't have diagnosed anxiety, but, but how does somebody know whether something is just like a bad day versus anxiety and something that you should probably be dealing with? I I think the word is chronic. Mm -hmm. You know, we all, like you say, Michelle, we're all going to have bad days. And if you can move through that bad day and just kind of accept it, um, you know, look back on it and say, okay, I should have done something different or it could have been better, but it doesn't hold you back. It doesn't cause the next day to be bad and the Mm -hmm. next day to be bad because now you're creating, um, now you're creating kind of this, this never ending looping and story that just manifests itself. And then it becomes chronic. Right. So it is anxiety is, is what I call, um, mental rehearsal for failure. So it is where you, like you say, you do something very innocent or very innocuous as sending a text And Mm -hmm. then you are creating a rehearsal of failure in the sense that you think the person hates you because they haven't responded. So you are just taking the worst case scenario and you are just rehearsing it in your mind. And it's really is, it's always about a future event because it's about the future. So Mm -hmm. being able to just um, say, that is what I'm doing. I am, I am choosing, consciously choosing to make up a story about my future, which is unknown, and realize that, you know, what's going to happen in the next five minutes is not in our control. It's unknown. We don't have control over that. But I'm going, to, I'm going to make up a story about the unknown, and I'm going to choose to make it up to be negative. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to ruminate on that over and over and over again <laughs> and make various scenarios around that. I laugh, but it's not funny. Yeah. And that, that's the word that I use for myself. I ruminated. That's a really good word for it. And then the, yeah. but, but not just that, it's like the over and over and over because like it's legitimately pretty much, I think I, the last time we talked, there's something about um, like early life anxiety, which it feels less uh, like impactful. Like it's, it's not affected. It didn't feel like it affected my life so much as it starts to feel like when it did when I was in corporate and like, you know, the higher I got up, the more was at stake and the more it was like severely impacting my ability, like my day to day. And even now it's like every time I leave a client's house after I style their home, if they didn't give me the response that I deemed, I've determined in my mind (laughs) <laughs> to be the appropriate response, a.k.a. how I would respond if I was in love with the space. Mm-hmm. Then I go home and I ruminate over and over and over again about how much that client did not like what I just did. And it's terrible. It's, it's very paralyzing. It's so, and, and it's like, yeah, I, I'm basically choosing the, and I'm choosing this. Now I do find like what you had said earlier was really interesting. And I've been listening to, you know, over, I've like done a lot of research on anxiety. And, you know, one thing I, I feel like I recently heard was, you know, we're not trying to get rid of the anxiety. It's, it's more understanding how to live with anxiety and like acknowledging it and being able to deal with it appropriately. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. There's something about being able to go, oh, okay. Like this isn't how people live actually like, Okay, so things can feel better than this. So now, like, what do I need to do to make things feel better? Totally. So it's, it's very, it's like, it's, there's a sense of relief when you find that out. Mm-hmm. Um, I did a little mm-hmm. bit of, ther- like, a therapy in order to kind of help me back when I was in corporate. And I feel like I'm kind of creeping back up. We talked about this. Mm-hmm. But um, why don't you share a little bit about what it looks like, you know, to when you work with a client. So, like, what, what can a client expect if they were going to do this NLP work. Is right. that the so, right way to say that, NLP work? Um, yeah, because it's neurolinguistics. Okay. That's what it is, neurolinguistics. Okay. I also use hypnosis mm-hmm. to help solidify, augment, take to the next level. Okay. The fabulous design, you know, end result that the, cus- that the client wants. So hypnosis just magnifies the 
um, desired learning, let's say the desired end state to, you know, and the focus of the client to, you know, 10,000 times yeah. because it gets under the critical faculty, it gets into the unconscious mind and it just takes that focus and just magnifies. So hypnosis is a nice icing on the cake, but predominantly what I, what I use is, um, neurolinguistics, which again is this relationship between the mind and the, and language. So be able to re, um, uh, refocus, reframe how the client is thinking because we get very phobial in how you think. So for example, I'll go back to what you just said. You, you know, you leave a client's house, you, the client didn't do cartwheels, which is what you expected them to do if they loved what you did. And I'm sure it was stunning and beautiful. So you come out and you've made an assumption based on how you perceive the world. Yeah. Yeah. That they did not, they were not totally happy with what you did. Where um, neurolinguistics um, talks about how you know you've made that assumption and go back and realize that your how you perceive the world isn't how they perceive the world, mm-hmm. because we all have our own filters as to how we are going through this world. So yeah. everything that comes into us is filtered through our own experiences, through our own. Um, conscious beliefs and value systems. So they may just be of the nature of the belief system of how they experience that, you know, the fact that they just smiled was totally telling you that they loved it, but you've taken that and you've created the story of I've haven't done enough for them. Mm -hmm. So uh, neurolinguistics really challenges and reframes thinking so that you basically start to go, Oh, like, I never thought about it that way. And, and it opens up the pathways of possibility. So there's some lightness to this. The, the, the other area that I deal with, which is really so incredibly beautiful, is something called timeline therapy. So it comes from the ancient Hawaiians and what it, um, the ancient Huna, and it's been around for you know, many, many years. And what timeline is, is basically just dealing with your unconscious mind Mm -hmm. and asking it to go back to whenever it, it made a decision or it it had an emotion or had an event or it had an experience upon which we want to make a change. So I just, we talk to the client. um, If we're going to deal with a negative emotion, let's say, because we all carry with us negative emotions. You've experienced anger throughout your life. Mm -hmm. I've experienced anger. We've all experienced anger. And anger, what happens is that your first experience of anger in your lifetime, and possibly even a previous lifetime, if you're into that kind Mm -hmm. of observation that past lives do come down to us, and past generations do pass on their stuff to us. Mm -hmm. So your first experience of anger, whatever that is, was then hooked, neurologically hooked, so think of it like clicking together. Like, like pearls connect to each other on a string of pearls to your next experience of anger, to your next experience of anger, to your next experience of anger. And believe me, we've had lots of them in our lives. And so that now, as you're going through life and you feel like you're kind of things are heavy, you're finding life a little difficult to move through and you find like, boy, I really act inappropriately. Like, boy, my husband says one little thing to me and I'm boom, like I'm off to the races with anger and yelling and whatever. And you don't understand what that's about. We go back and we ask the unconscious mind to release that anger in your neurology. Mm -hmm. And there's a way to do that by just asking it to um, find the learnings it was supposed to learn. And it's a beautiful technique. And in literally, you know, I would say 15 minutes, let's say, the client has gone back, done that, and neurologically, all of that um, latent emotion is now released in the neurology. So we use timeline theory to go back and clear negative emotions because we've all had them. They're all sitting mm-hmm. there. Maybe there's some grief. Maybe there's some um, um, rage. Maybe there's some um, uh, frustration, whatever it is. And we also go back and we clear the beliefs that are no longer serving the client well for where they want to go in life Mm -hmm. because a belief is a decision that you made a long time ago that I, you know, I, I can't do this or I don't deserve something or whatever. And you've made that decision. And so we go back and we ask the unconscious mind again on this timeline to go back and undo that belief, 
so that you can't fire and wire that any longer in your neurology and put in a belief that is supportive of you going forward so that I can do it. I am magnificent. There is love in my life. Whatever it is that will support the client going forward. So what typically happens in a client coming to see me is that we have a discussion about what is the presenting problem. Everyone comes with like, you yeah. know, what is that presenting problem? You yeah. know, I, my relationship is failing. I, my job, I'm losing my job. I have anxiety, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be a health issue. I, you know, I have a health issue. And then there's something called an intake. So I sit with the client for a couple of hours and I do a lot of questioning and get, and with that questioning, I can discover the root of that problem. What is the root that's holding that problem in place so then I can release it from them? Mm -hmm. And that is my work, to listen and to find out that root. I also listen for and um, identify other emotions that the client is struggling with. And also if there's any past experiences that were negative, like something, sometimes things come up even in the session that the client says, I haven't thought about that for like years or ever. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, it's like I experienced a traumatic event. There was a trauma in my life. Right. And and that would have created an emotion that is negative for the person. And it would have also possibly created a belief that, you know, I'm not safe anymore. Or, you know, I can't trust people or whatever. Yeah. So then from that two, two and a half hour session, I then, in my practice, I sit and I put together a strategy. And that is the strategy of how I'm going to walk this person out of problem towards solution. And then we get to work. You come see me typically once a week and we start the work. We we always start with emotions because you cannot think greater than you feel. So I'm going to say that again. I was going to ask for you to say it again. Just let that sit in there. You cannot think greater than you feel. So if you want to think I'm fantastic, but you feel negative, you feel sad, that's almost impossible. Mm-hmm. You can't. Like, how do you, if you're feeling sad, how are you going to think positive? It's almost, it's almost like that's an oxymoron. Yeah. So what you want to do is you want to get the, the feelings so that they feel lighter. All the negative neurology around negative emotions are gone. So the client can start to feel lighter. And now after we're done with all the emotions, we then start moving on to the thinking or the beliefs, the limiting decisions that are holding the problem in place. So this is, I'm talking here a couple of weeks, right? We've moved through emotions. We're now into beliefs and thinking. And then we go and we start working on um, the positive. So, So that you can now start associating into positive emotions so that you can start remembering that, yeah, I do remember feeling um, joy and excitement and anticipation because sometimes when we've been in problem a long time, when a client comes and they've been sad or anxious or depressed for a long time, decades, they almost cannot remember ever feeling joyful. Mm-hmm. It's almost like, it's like, I, I don't think I can ever find that emotion again. You know that you have, you have felt that way in your past. So we go and we get the client reassociated to, so that they can find those positive emotions again. And we make sure that they're all, um, they're lined up so that all their values are lined up so that they, you know, how they feel about their goals are strong so that they're, um, you know, that they have all the right tools in place to go get their goals. And then the client basically walks out and they start by then for sure, even before then, they are starting to realize the, their goal is starting to be hit. So when you come and see me in the intake, I ask questions about how will I know Michelle When you are out of anxiety, what will you be doing or not doing Mm -hmm. that you'll go, oh my God, like this is, yeah, I'm, I'm, my anxiety is starting to go down. Like, what are you doing? Like, maybe you are exercising more. Maybe you are, you know, you're sleeping at night, you're eating better, whatever are the, what we call evidence behavior Mm -hmm. that you are hitting your goals. And then what happens is that while the clients, you know, into the process, they are starting to realize, oh my God, yeah, that's exactly what's happening. Like I'm starting to sleep better mm-hmm. and I'm starting to have a better relationship with my spouse and I'm mm-hmm. starting to not, I don't cry as much or whatever is the, 
is the, you know, is their evidence procedure. And then at the end, when they're starting to reach all their, now they're behaving different and they're feeling different. So that's very important. They're behaving and feeling different. Now we start talking about goals. What do you really want in your life? And we work on putting the goals in place so that they can achieve them. Mm-hmm. And this is, again, going out and, and emotionally associating with how is it going to feel when you achieve X. So if your goal is, you know, I want to have a successful business and I want to make, you know, $100,000 this year, let's just say, okay, that's a fantastic goal. I can work with that or you can work with that. It's, it's, it's determined. It's got a number around it. You know, it's going to be by this year. Now, I want you to get into the emotions. What is it going to feel like when you get that goal? Oh, well, I, you know, and I want you to, and I, I train the client to really get into the, like they're living it, you know, like, oh yeah, I, I, I'm, I wake up and I'm excited and I'm jumping for joy and I'm ex- I can't wait to get to work in my car and I'm high-fiving people at work or whatever. Okay, get into those emotions. What does that feel like? And then we go and we put it out into the, quantum into the timeline of the client going forward realizing that when you do that the universe starts to organize itself and all the experience start to happen and all the right people you're supposed to meet start to show up and all the right resources start to get loosened up in the universe so that you reach your goal Mm -hmm. so it's this quantum goal setting that we do at the end I love it yeah, so now the client doesn't feel their their problem anymore. It's gone. They they're not they're not behaving the way they used to. Like, you know, I, I used to feel I used to be crying all the time. I used to be like sleeping or I can't get out of bed or whatever the problem is. Now they're not doing that anymore. All their old neurology is cleaned up. They've got tools so that they know how to go through life. Mm-hmm. So that when, you know, little trip ups come and so whatever, I know exactly what to do because Karen's taught me and I got my toolkit and I've put a goal into my future and it's starting to be realized because I now think positively all the time. Yeah. So I train a lot on the fact that our thoughts bring what our thoughts bring to us, what it is that we want. And so it's so good. I fully believe that so wholeheartedly, like so much. Uh, There was a quote I came across once. It was um, your thoughts become things, choose the good ones. And I just thought that was like a killer quote. Um, And I I remember even like talking to another friend of mine who also wanted to do like design work and just was like, yeah, but you know, in the city I am like, I just, you know, there's nobody here that wants to pay for that. I'm like, with that attitude, no, (laughs) like you're not ever going to, you're not. I I fully believe that. And it's not to say that I don't like, I'm, I'm riddled with anxiety. I'm very, very forthcoming with mm-hmm. people listen to this podcast about that and and but I fully believe that and I just and I I just had a conversation with my dad who's an artist and just talked about he's been right. very very sick like he was very sick with cancer for a while but then kind of recovered and he's just been not sick but unhealthy just really bad back pain has basically been in a lazy boy for like probably half the year if not three quarters of the year and he said to me on the phone just now my dad's very interesting man. But um, he said something like, I had a realization the other day, you know, when it came to my work, I was always, it was always, I was always using my mind to help mm-hmm. me. Uh-huh. And for some reason, I forgot all of that. And I haven't been doing that with regards to like how I'm feeling right now. Yes, yes. And he's like, so I think he's just had like this aha moment. So we'll see how that plays out. But I have some questions about some things that you talked about. Okay. So uh, the timeline therapy. Yes. You know how you talked about, you talk with a client to go back to like a moment or something. Is it now, like how specific does that need to be? I'm very curious because, okay. She's shaking her head. No, I'm shaking my head. Because I feel like for me, I don't have specifics. I just, right. So, okay. Give me an example of what it could be if it's not specific. And I assume it sometimes it is specific, but sometimes it's not. 
Right. And and what when you say specific, you're talking your conscious like, mind. Like, oh, I can remember. Yeah, yeah. Like, was, you know uh, what? The moment was I was three and my mom did this. Like, so you're and I feel like I struggle with that concept, but Yes. So okay, no. can you give us an example of what somebody may have ever used as an example for that? That's not a specific example that Right. And we don't even talk about in the therapy, we don't even talk about I don't want to hear it. I don't we don't talk about the specific okay. event. And if you are thinking specific, that means you're thinking with your unconscious mind. So part of my job as the practitioner is I don't want your conscious thinking. I don't want you consci- conscious. I want you relaxed. Okay. And what we call in trance. Uh-huh. People go crazy when they hear that word. They think it's manipulative and it's weird and all that. But trance is, you were in trance 90% of the day anyway. Okay. You were in trance when you're driving the car and you can't remember how you got home. You're in trance when you're watching TV and you're just relaxed. You're in trance. Unless you are doing open heart surgery or so you're you're pretty so trance just means like I I as a practitioner, I'm trained to get you in. You're comfortable. We're in rapport. Rapport Mm -hmm. means that there is great energy flowing between you and me. Yeah. You're you're relaxed. We have that. I feel like we would have that. We're we're in rapport right now, sweetie. You're working me right now. I'm working you right now. So, <laughs> so what happens is that when we do the timeline, it's not about thinking that, oh, yeah, I'm going to go back to when I was five and I was at my birthday party. No, no, no. It's when I get you on your timeline, it's a feeling. Mm. I don't care. You're just going to know when you're there. You're going to have your eyes closed. So I've got my eyes closed right now because I'm imagining you, how yeah. it happens. And you're on, I teach you, we train you how to go in your timeline and how everybody does it is perfect. There's no right or wrong way and everybody can do it. There's no no fear around this. Everyone can do it. And you just go and you just get a feeling, Michelle. You just go, yeah, I think I'm there. You're going to know, you're going to have a conscious thinking. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think it it just comes. You just feel like, yeah, I think I'm there. Okay, good. You're there. That means your unconscious mind is taking you somewhere. You aren't going to know the specifics. So a lot of people go, Oh, I'm so afraid. Like, what if I go somewhere and I'm really, it makes me sad and I start crying. No, we're going to get you hot. You're high above your timeline. You're not in the event reliving it again ever. Oh, okay. You you are on your timeline. You're up above it. You're looking down on it. You're getting whatever learnings you need to get. Your unconscious mind is doing the processing and it comes back to now and it's all done. And what the beauty of this is, is that it always works. So that's part of the beauty of the offering. And that's what hooked me when I was in anxiety. And this woman, this fantastic practitioner I had, who I am so grateful to, I was listening to her talk. Yeah, you know, your anxiety is going to be gone. And she said to me, Karen, I guarantee it. What? You guarantee it. Yes, I guarantee it. And that is what I do today too. I guarantee because it always works. Your neurology is the same as my neurology, is the same as everybody's neurology. And, the, and this technique and the, the how neurology has changed and shifted works for everybody. Okay, this leads me into the other question I wrote down here. Yeah. It sounds like you're answering it, but I'm going to ask it. So, like, in your mind, there are no bad candidates for this. Like, so, for example, let's say I came to you. I'm like, you know what? My doctor said I should do this. Or like my best friend was like, you need to talk to Karen, like, you know, do this, this, and this. And I'm like very resistant yeah. to the idea. Let's just say you're saying it could still work with me. Or would you be like, okay, it works for anybody who's like, wants it to work. Is there an element of that? Well, like, well, yes. Yes. And open. Yeah. It, it is different. And that's what I talk about. It's, it's in my contract with everybody is this is a different therapy. This is not a, we don't talk about why you have the problem. So if people come and they want to talk about over and over again, you know, my boss is an asshole and I just don't know how much he's ruining my life. Yeah. We don't talk about that. We talk a little bit about that in context in the intake so I can get the idea of the problem. Yeah. After that, it, we focus on how you do your problem. So that's a difference. Counseling, traditional counseling, and it's beautiful and lovely and wonderful, and it it helped my son immensely, so I'm eternally grateful. However, does deals with the why. Why, why, why? We deal, or I deal, with the how. Mm -hmm. How does this client think this way? How does this client have this behavior? 
How is that? Oh, it's because of this. Okay, we go in and we get that out of the neurology. So now that basically it's like a strategy or it's like a program that can't run anymore. So it's like a computer program that you've taken a piece of the code out and now it doesn't run anymore because the code's been taken out. Mm. Now you can't do your problem anymore. So if your problem is I have anxiety and the behavior associated that is whatever, you can't do that anymore. Right. Just literally are different. So the bad clients and the ones that I won't take on are the people that are just want to stay what we call at effect. They just want to stay right all the time. I'm right. Mm. Um, My boss is an asshole. I am right. Because you can either be right or you can be healthy, wealthy, and happy. What is your choice? This is about letting go. Yeah. (laughs) This is about letting go of you're always right. So the ones that have to be blame and be victim and be right are not ready for this. And sadly, I would almost say, you know, their life hasn't gotten bad enough yet. Not the rock bottom yet. Not rock. Hey, and I was there, so I have no judgment. Yeah. Because I was right for many years. Yeah. I was blaming for many years. I was the victim for many years. I had, you know, it's because of this experience and what happened. Uh, and I had to go down to the very bottom before I realized that, that I got to let go of that. And I just got to get myself better. And then now I realize that that's futile. That mm-hmm. is futile thinking. So, you know, are you, is your pain big enough? You have to want peace bigger than you want your pain because some people love their pain. Mm-hmm. And that leads me to a little bit here. People can become addicted to the emotions that they have, even if they're negative. Mm-hmm. Just like people are addicted to shopping and alcohol and cigarettes and food and Netflix and everything, you can become addicted to your negative emotions because they release chemicals. When you have an emotion, there is a chemical that's released in your brain, which sets off a whole set of chemicals and hormones throughout your body. And that can be a very addicting experience. So what happens is that you get, you get like you seek out relationships that reinforce your addiction to anger. Mm-hmm. You seek out jobs that reinforce your addiction to I'm not good enough. You seek out situations that reinforce your addiction to I'm not safe. And so, you know, it is a little bit about dealing with emotional addicts. We, ha- we have to get past this addiction that we have to our negative emotions because we need to get towards where we want to go. Mm-hmm. So another question I have <clears throat> is about the root. Yes, right? the root, Yeah. Can your root be, does it have to be like once, could your root be a little of like, okay, I feel like I have three roots. You're so special. I know, right? I know. No, but I feel like anxiety. Okay. Yeah. And I don't know like which, it's like chicken or the egg. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. So anxiety, which, which I know is driving my inability to sleep. Like I want to be able to sleep well right. at night. Right. Um, and then procrastination, which is a yeah. severe situation I've got on the go. And I'm like, I, I feel like my mind tells me that I feel like if I could sort out the procrastination issue, mm-hmm. it would relieve my anxiety because I feel like the result of my procrastination leads to anxiety. Granted, like there's other anxiety in there that has to do with other things like we talked about like the stupid stuff where I you know I make up things I ruminate over and over about certain things but anyways but those are like my core like three things so is that like can people come to you with like would you just you would basically identify what of the three is like the the root the root which what do you think is the root of those three well uh, first of all if it's conscious and you're talking about it it ain't it Okay, so when you, you say you want to, okay, damn it, I keep cheating the system. You talk, you, everyone, you're not alone. Everyone thinks they know, you know, and, and great. Lovely I thought you meant that I come to you and I tell you what my root is, but what you're no. saying is the first one is you're going to get me into a state where I forget, trance, that's going to help me identify my root. Well, I'm going to identify. You're not even going to know it. Oh, 
Okay, because here's what I was doing. I was like, oh, shoot. Well, I better get ready to figure out what that timeline theory no. is. Like, I was like, I better figure that out. And then I'm like, oh, I better figure out which is my proper route. Uh, see, the, I'm doing it all wrong. So if, the, if, if, if you say in it, that ain't it. Got it. It's so unconscious to you. You're not aware of it. Uh-huh. You're not even aware of it. That's how deep this is. So life is all our premise of your therapy. (laughs) Yeah, it it is a premise. So, um, you know, you come with all these presenting problems, you know, I've got anxiety, I can't sleep, I procrastinate. Those are what we call presenting problems. Okay. Under all of those is this big root. And a root typically is something that's very large, very, it's usually an un, unable, unworthy, unhealthy, unsafe, unloved, undeserving, like a big core, I'm talking, honey, a core, my essence, about your essence, about your, your fundamental magnificence is less than it should be. And it's something you truly believe deep down that's unconscious to you, that you're thinking. And Do that, you tell the client what nope. their root is? No. Oh, but I want to know. No, we just get rid of it magically. And then all of a sudden. Never speak of it again. Yeah, we don't say. Because that just reinforces what we don't want. Oh my God. And so that, so think of your garden, right? You got this big nasty thistle on the, you know, in your garden and it's causing all this problem. You know, your, your flowers are dying out and your ferns won't grow and, you know, beautiful, your beautiful birds aren't showing up, you know, so your garden is kind of a mess. We find the thistle, we pull that sucker out and all of a sudden, oh my God. My flowers look magnificent today. Oh, my God, I'm sleeping well. Oh, the birds are starting to show up again and enjoy my garden. Oh, I can actually get some work done. And I'm mm-hmm. excited about going to work. Because that root is running your programming. It's like a virus in your computer that's just slowly eating away at everything. And there's no shame or guilt or blame around it. It just is. And you just accept the fact that you have a problem. And that's our, but you know, there's no blame or guilt, but it's your responsibility to change it. It's your Mm -hmm. response. And so what I'm offering and what I love and what occurred for me and what I love to straight, you know, scream from the rooftops, there's a way to do this that's simple, easy, and long lasting. It doesn't take medicine that doesn't work and just harms your body. It doesn't take years and years of counseling where you just spin yeah, you really don't get to, to solution. There's a solution here that's very easy, and you will come out with a toolbox full of techniques and thinking and strategies that you can take forever for you to use for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. And it'll keep you keep you up, keep you keep you out of it. So no, you don't know your route. You shouldn't, you know, no, you know, people can think about it and whatever. That's fine. I'm glad I asked the question because like you're so cute. <laughs> I think I honestly I find you very fascinating. I think this is fascinating and I'm really really excited to put this podcast out. Um and what I would love to do is when I do work with you because I will. It's just a matter of time right now. But um I hope that I can share to my experience. I just Okay, I didn't tell everybody where we met. So we met, we were at a networking event. And mm-hmm. you were like, I want to say one of the first people I met that day. And I asked you what you did. And I was like, what is that? And, <laughs> and then I just, I could, you know, like you meet people, you're like, mm, I just like, I just really, I just thought you had a great, I, I just trusted you. I connected with you for whatever reason and I was just like okay like I'm very interested to talk to you more about what it is that you do and what this is and then we met obviously and the rest was that but yes I really and like I said I shared a little bit about this in my Facebook group and I just think it's so important for people to be hearing about different strategies for to deal with like if I I agree like there's probably so many people dealing with anxiety who just don't really realize that's what it is and that life shouldn't be that way. And hopefully that this like triggers a little something in them to think about like a different strategy to kind of deal. 12%. And that's a big number of our population has anxiety and 25% of our society 
is affected by society because when you have anxiety or someone in your family has it, you know, you affect people. And then that was my experience. My kids suffered. My husband suffered. My job suffered. My employees suffered. So, you know, 12% is, is a large, large number. So yeah, you know, you change and you change not only yourself, but you change everybody around you. And and it's a beautiful thing because it just leads you to solution and wholeness very quickly mm-hmm. without, um, without the lag of time yep. and, without the, and without the medication, which I, you know, again, I want to go back and say medication saved me. So I have a lot because I really do like it did. So medication has its purpose. Yeah. And I would suggest You're to everybody else saying it's not. The long term. It's not a long term, but yeah. please, if you need it and if you're on it and you, whatever, please, you know, it is, it has its purpose yeah. and I do um, appreciate what it did for me. Yes, for sure. For sure. Okay. So this feels like a great time. Like, uh, do you only work with people one-on-one or like maybe you could tell people how they can work with you. And if it's very much just one-on-one in person, maybe let everybody know where you're located and where they can find you and reach out to you in order to see if, if, uh, this is right for them. Right. So I do work Mm one-on-one. Uh, it does not have to be in person. I deal with clients through zoom. Yep. So I've had clients in the U.S. I've had clients spread across Canada. And so that is not a restriction. So right. it, it works beautifully just as well this way. Yeah. Um, I am located in Aurora and I work out of two locations in Aurora, out of my home for those that prefer that and it's more convenient. And I'm also associated with a clinic in Aurora that is called Out of the Woods Wellness Center. It's located on Industrial Parkway South. And it is um, a center that entails not only myself, but also an osteopath. There's massage therapy, there's herbalism, there's Reiki. So for many of my clients, it's a great um, environment for them because they can supplement what I do and what we're doing together with other modalities that bring them even more healing and wholeness. Mm-hmm. And so either those locations is where I meet clients or again, like I say, we can do it virtually through this wonderful world of the internet. I love and it. None of, and none of that is restricting. So that's what's beautiful. great. And what's your website that people should go visit? I named my company. It can be different. Someone told me once when I was in problem, do you know, Karen, it can be different. And that just resonated for me. So my website is it can be different.ca. And I'm also on Instagram and Facebook and I blog about my experience and the, and the opportunity to create um, and join in in wellness through this great modality that we have available to us. Amazing. And you guys should sign up for her newsletter. She does very regularly send out newsletters. Yes. Every month, a newsletter. Yeah. She's good like that guys. And also for those of you who are listening from not Canada, Aurora is in the Toronto area because I have some listeners that are from all over the world. It turns out. Um, but so sorry. Yes. Aurora, Canada, just, uh, a stone's throw north of Toronto. That's right. Yeah. He's my neighbor. Yeah. Well, thank you so very much, Karen. That was amazing. I really, really hope that you're going to get some people reaching out to you, or at least, at the very least, it gives somebody something to think about and then maybe look into in the future. Thank right. you so much. Absolutely. And I do give a free consultation to anybody who just wants to sit and talk to me for an hour about their, guys. their particular situation and I can share with them a little bit more about how that would work for them so I'm always open to that too awesome thank you so much thank you Michelle neurolinguistics peeps fascinating stuff isn't it I am really really excited I was so fascinated when I met Karen I like I said in the episode I just felt immediately connected to her and um, I'm really excited I plan to work with her this year it's just I don't know exactly when um, cause I'm kind of trying to put some money against my brand and my website and, uh, some automation, but this obviously needs to be a priority of my life. So, um, I, I do plan on doing it this year. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope it kind of opened your mind to a new, uh, therapy, something that hopefully you never, well, not hopefully, but something that 
hopefully taught you something new that you had not heard of before, because I think that'd be pretty great if my podcast could be doing that for people. Um, If you want to uh, follow along my journey, you can go to Business Homies and you can find that group by going to Facebook and searching Business Homies. You will need to answer the questions to be accepted, but that's basically just where I go and I do Facebook Lives and I chat a little bit more about things that I'm learning, the ups, the downs, the embarrassing stories, which is what I talked about this week. And, um, yeah, do it. And also you should rate the podcast so that more people can find me. So give it a five star. And if you're feeling extra ambitious, leave a comment. That would be amazing. I will plan to start reading those again. I need to do that. It's just a bit of a pain to bring them up. So I haven't done that right now. Anyways, guys, that's all for this week. I will talk to you next week. Bye guys. What are you drinking? I got wine. Because that's what I like to do when I do my podcast interview. I got, you got, I coffee. got some coffee. But I, I've been drinking wine because I was out for lunch. So Okay, well that counts. <laughs>